This is Truth With Grace, the media ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today as we continue our exploration of the truth found in God's Word and the grace of salvation. Pastor Pierre Rosa is continuing his preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're in chapter 28. The scene we just left was Jesus buried in a tomb. Praise God that's not where the story ends. Now, if he had remained there, he would have been a martyr. He might have been a wise man to admire, but he wouldn't have been the Son of God. The Apostle Paul tells us that God authenticated Jesus as his Son by resurrecting him from the dead, and that's what we'll be studying today, the scene of the resurrection. It changes everything about how we face today. Let's listen to today's message from Pastor Pierre. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them to the 28th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read verses 1 through 15, and we're going to learn that because he lives, we can face not only tomorrow, but today. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 15. Now after the Sabbath... As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some other guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story has widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So let's dissect the scene of the resurrection here in order to understand how we can face today because he lives. First of all, the the first thing to notice here, verses 1 through 2, is that the seal ripped. Now, the resurrection narrative begins on the day of the Sabbath, which would have ended at sundown on Saturday. Now, the scene starts on the first day of the week, which we call Sunday, and because Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, according to Hebrews 10, verse 12, from that point on, true worshipers of God gather for corporate worship on the day that the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead. 
So that is the reason why we meet on Sundays and no longer on Saturdays, because this is a new covenant. And because this is a new covenant, we understand and we worship the Lord on the day he rose from the dead. The early church adopted this pattern and we follow them ever since. Now, while the earthquake on crucifixion day opened the tombs of dead saints to allow them to show up in the city after the resurrection of Christ, this one here broke the Roman seal that secured the borrowed tomb. Remember, that's why I say the seal ripped. Now, the text doesn't tell us that. We can assume safely that in order for the angel to roll the stone, he had to break that Roman seal. Remember, this is an act of God. Matthew wants us to know that Although no one had permission to violate a Roman seal under the penalty of death, God, the highest authority, overruled the governor of Judea because human governments and governors exist to serve his purposes. And here's what we see happening again. The angel came down and ripped the Roman seal because God is the highest authority. But here's what I want you to see what happened next. After the seal ripped, the stone rolled. Verses 2 and 3. Now, while technically, though highly unlikely, the first earthquake, the one I just mentioned on the crucifixion day, may have occurred naturally. Earthquakes are not always a result of miraculous power from God. It's, they're, they're just part of the geological features of a fallen world. In this case, a dispatched heavenly messenger caused this particular earthquake on Resurrection Sunday. So we know this is a miraculous event here. This spirit being opened a tomb, again, not to let Jesus out. Remember when we mentioned that last week? If you can conquer death, I assure you, you can either walk through that stone or will it to move. So the angel broke the seal, removed the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to show the whole world that the tomb was empty. Something that the women and Peter and John later, as we will see, verified with their own eyes. Therefore, church, the empty tomb here in the narrative serves as a visual reminder that because Christ walked away from the grave, whoever believes in him in a salvific sense will follow suit. Here's what I mean by a salvific sense. You, many people are aware that Jesus existed, but it doesn't change their life because there hasn't been a transfer of trust from self to Savior. Whoever believes in Him in a salvific sense where there's a transfer of trust from self to Savior in order to get to heaven will one day vacate their tombs in the same manner that Jesus did because He promised that. John 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And to the disciples, he said, If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, verse 3. So the return of Christ obviously presupposes a resurrection. Now these promises, then, church, should equip our hearts to endure the challenges and the sorrows of our fallen world. Our fallen world that has many stumbling blocks, according to Jesus himself in Matthew 18, verse 7. So be encouraged, my fellow believer. Death has no power over you. Your body one day will go to the grave, but your immaterial part, your soul and your spirit, will immediately be with Christ. Because Paul says to die is to be separated from the body, but to be immediately in the presence of our Lord. We triumph at the end. Let me quote the words from my beautiful Savior here. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Now look at verse 3 again. Matthew describes the physical appearance of this angel. It, it, he looks like a man. He describes the appearance of this guy here to assure us that the women and the soldiers didn't experience group hallucination. Because 
People who oppose the resurrection may say, well, they, they were so distraught by the events of the previous days that they had a collective type of hallucination. They saw this. They saw a ghost. No. Matthew is describing that this is a messenger from God, an angel that looks like lightning. He, he was so bright because he had been in the presence of God. The Shekinah glory of God is emanating from this angel. Matthew wants us to know that the guards didn't fall victim to a supposed mob of followers of Christ. Like That's the other reason why he's describing the angel. In other words, he's saying here, look, these guards looked at the angel and they lost consciousness. They, they fell. They were so terrified by what they saw that they fell. This wasn't a case of grave robbery. God put those guards to sleep to allow the women and the other disciples to enter the tomb to interact with the heavenly messengers, the angels. Yes, you heard it right, plural. There's another angel in this scene that Matthew doesn't tell us about, but the other gospel writers do, and we'll get to that in a moment. Stay tuned. Let's talk about what happened next. The seal ripped, the stone rolled, the soldiers recoiled. Verse 4. Now, the, the shaking of the ground would have caused them already to panic because they thought this is probably an, an aftershock of the first one that happened a few days ago. But the sight of this dazzling creature coming down from heaven caused them to lose consciousness. Again, Matthew includes this detail to prove to us that the soldiers showed no wounds that would have suggested a struggle with grave robbers. That's the point. So in their minds, in the minds of these guards here, they witnessed paranormal activity. This is a ghost. And the fact that this took place before dawn contributed to their terror. Furthermore, think about this. This angel purposefully chose the most bizarre location to sit down for impact, to cause them to be terrified. And I'll tell you, he didn't even have to say boo. Uh, here's what happened next. After the seal ripped, the stone rolled, the soldiers recoiled, the servants rejoiced. Verses 5 through 8. Breaking the seal, moving the stone, and putting the guards to sleep weren't the only items in this uh, angel's mission. I want you to see that. John describes this scene from the perspective of Mary Magdalene. And he says that as soon as she saw that the stone had been rolled away, she ran to Peter and John. So she left the group of women and ran back to Peter and John in the morning and said this to them. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. This is John 20 verse 2. So clearly at this point, no one expected a resurrection. No one even suspected a resurrection. Her first reaction was to think somebody committed desecration here and stole the body. Meanwhile, the other women who remained at the scene had the courage to enter the tomb. And Luke fills in the details here and observes that the first angel had company. Remember I told you a few moments ago that there were more than, than one angel in this scene? Well, Luke tells us that. Listen to what he says, Luke 24, verses 4 through 5. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. Again, see the same description here of the brilliance of these angels here. This is obviously the glory of God rubbing off on the angels, as it were. And Mark points out that the first angel, most likely the one who sat on the stone, got down from the stone and went into the tomb. A young man, Mark says, sitting at the right, wearing a white robe. So there's one on the right, one on the left. So obviously, they concluded this is not a case of great robbery. And the angel told them that this was the case. Notice the mission from the angelic being to the women 
before anything, first and foremost, the angel said, let me comfort these women here. Because I know that they came here looking for Jesus Christ. I know they're distraught. I know that they loved the Lord so much that they wouldn't leave the crucifixion scene. They never let Jesus out of their sight. They were forced to leave because it was the Sabbath. Remember that. They had to leave. So they left and went right back before dawn with spices and all of that to anoint the body. Because remember, the Jews didn't embalm corpses. So they were there. They had no, they had no idea, no expectation of the resurrection. The angel had to remind them, just as he said. And that is the reason, church, that the one angel comforted them with these words. Stop being afraid. Literally what he said. Stop being afraid. And he followed up this affirmation, this this comforting thought here by affirming awareness of their motivation. Stop being afraid. I know why you're here. And by stimulating their memory, he has risen just as he said. In other words, stop being afraid. Don't you remember that he said that he would rise from the dead? So he's stimulating their thoughts. You know, sometimes, church, when we are grieving, when we are facing difficult times, it's hard to think through carefully sometimes and think through biblically. That's why we need help from uh, brothers and sisters to remind us. Remember the promises of God. Remember that He promised to take care of you. Remember that He says, cast your anxiety upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. So that's the idea here. This is what the angel is telling them. This is not a crime scene. This is a glorious scene. You're experiencing something glorious. Namely, not just the resurrection of Christ, but fulfillment of prophecy. In church, when we read this, we take the same comfort. Because Jesus is the truth. Remember, he identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Because he is the truth, he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. Consequently, every promise he made, church, will come to pass just as he said. Not metaphorically, but just as he said. We live in light of those wonderful promises that will come to pass just as he said. But that's the comfort that the angels communicated to the women. After comforting them, the angel gave them their commission. So there's their comfort and now the commission. Verses 6 through 7. Because the angel gives them something to do. He invited them to the inner chamber of the grave. It was a two-chambered grave. Remember, this is a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, who had purchased the grave. Joseph and Nicodemus placed the body of Jesus there in the inner chamber. And now the angel says, come and inspect that portion. So after hearing about the resurrection and physically and visibly inspecting the empty tomb, they were now to announce the glorious event to the disciples, again, who still did not expect a bodily, literal, physical resurrection. Remember, they heard about the resurrection before, but in their minds, perhaps, oh, this is a spiritual type of resurrection. But no, this is to be a bodily resurrection. Now, notice, never forget this, church. These women were the first to receive the commission that is binding on every believer of Christ, which we will get to next week. See, we're talking about the great conquest now. Next week, we'll talk about the great commission. But this is a preview of that official call to disciples to make other disciples of Christ, which means that if you are a follower of Christ, you are obligated to make other disciples of Christ. It's not a suggestion. It's not optional. It's not, uh, perhaps if you have that gift, you can do it. No, evangelism is never described as a gift in the Bible. The evangelist, for the equipping of the other saints to do evangelism, is described in the Bible. 
But we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I just want you to see that the angels gave the women a preview of that commission. So they were the first to receive the commission, and God preserved this whole thing in writing so that future generations might believe. Otherwise, church, Christianity would not have lasted after the first generation of disciples. So through the pages of Scripture, Jesus invites you to come and see so that you can also come and see the empty tomb. But he doesn't stop there. Once you have come to Christ, you now must go and tell. You see, the commission is come and see. Now go and tell. In church, here is your reason for existing. You are to glorify God by doing this. Now that you have come and seen the resurrection, now you go and tell so that others can be saved as well. After comforting and commissioning the women, the angel gave them their confirmation. Verse 7, second part of the verse. Now, I want you to know that just as Jesus prepared something special for the women, he had something special for you and for me, namely, to meet you personally and physically. Paul describes that day. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. In church, that is how we cope with today's sorrows and challenges in a fallen world. Because he lives, we can face today. Because the Bible is full of promises and commands that Comfort one another with these words. That's what we were told in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18. So Paul describes that encounter that we will have with the risen Lord. Our bodies are going to be resurrected, and we're going to meet Him in the air. And then he closes the whole scene with comfort each other with those words. So I'm just repeating what Paul is telling us to do. After the women receive comfort and commission and confirmation, they now display their commitment. Verse 8, their commitment. Because Matthew describes the resurrection from the perspective of these ladies, he highlights their response to the command. And he describes their reaction in paradoxical terms. He is describing their proverbial roller coaster, emotional roller coaster. They responded quickly with fear and joy. (laughs) Very quickly. They didn't wait until tomorrow. See, they didn't wait. Oh, I'll do that whenever I feel like it, Lord. I don't feel like it's the right moment. I have other things that I need to accomplish. I have goals that I need to fulfill before I obey you. None of that. They reacted quickly with fear and joy. And that describes, my friends, the Christian life pretty accurately. Our call to obey God is very well represented here. Fear is a byproduct of our fallen condition. It's a natural reaction to perceived danger. You understand that? We all fear. So the lesson here for us is this. You do what he wants you to do now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do what he expects you to do right this second. Because if you wait, that is already disobedience. You do what he wants you to do now, not tomorrow, not when you get around to it. The reward is that you'll experience joy unspeakable. Not apart from fear, but through it. God will not eliminate fear from your heart. But he will equip you to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish through your fear. Because he's going to equip you with courage. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're promised in Nehemiah 8 verse 10. So let the joy of the Lord be your strength. That's what these women are doing. They are terrified. They are 
obeying the Lord promptly with great fear and joy. In the meantime, after being informed by Mary Magdalene, Peter and John ran to the tomb and saw the empty grave. John 20, verse 1 through 5. And John describes one of the most tender moments in history. And I need to read this to you rather than to paraphrase it. Mary Magdalene returned to the tomb and stood outside. She was afraid to go in. After interacting with one of the angels, and this is what the Bible picks up here, the text, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. This is the most beautiful moment in all of history, church. The day that Jesus Christ appeared to Mary Magdalene and commissioned her again, comforting her, reaffirming the words of the angel to the women. So here's what happened next. The seal ripped, the stone rolled, the soldiers recoiled, the servants rejoiced, and the Savior ratified, verses 9 through 10. Seeing an empty tomb does not confirm the resurrection. For that reason, Jesus appeared personally to the other women too. So he appeared to Mary Magdalene first and then to the other women and endorsed the words of this heavenly creature here. And Jesus' ratification of their mission therefore became a pattern, church. Do not fear. And that's the pattern for us. We have nothing to fear because Jesus rose from the grave. What temporal danger should we be concerned about if we know where we will be for eternity? Those of us who have placed our trust and our faith in Christ, we have nothing to fear except disobeying Christ. I am terrified of that. I don't want to disobey Him. I don't want to dishonor Him when I hear, go and tell, and I say, no, Lord, I'm going to stay and be silent. How rebellious can you be? Let's conclude the resurrection scene here. After the seal ripped, the stone rolled, the soldiers recoiled, the servants rejoiced, the Savior ratified, and now the Sanhedrin raged, verses 11 through 15. Now the Sanhedrin responded to the reports from the guard, which, by the way, what will they report? All they saw is the angel come down and roll the stone, and then they fell asleep. So that's their report. Now, as a result of their report, the Sanhedrin here scrambled to concoct a cover-up story. And again, church, check this out. Presumably, these were the same people who promised to believe if Jesus only came down from the cross. Remember that? Chapter 27, verses 41 through 42. Oh, if he comes down from the cross, then we will believe. Well, he's done something greater than coming down from the cross. He walked out of the grave, and they didn't believe. What, what does that tell us about the human nature, church? People who say this are just buying time. People who say, oh, if, 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 if all of a sudden all the evil in the world ended, then I would believe. No, you wouldn't. The chief priests and the elders operated by their usual lack of integrity. They bribed the uh, guards, and they knew how easy it was to manipulate Pilate. That's why they told the guards, hey, listen, don't worry about Pilate. We got him. And that's the scene of the resurrection, church, recorded by a former tax collector here. It's the climax of human history here, and that's our hope. And because he lives, we can face today. We can 
say it like this, the seal broke off, the stone rolled away, the soldiers fell down, the servants followed through, the Savior showed up, the Sanhedrin freaked out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity and the beauty of your word. How can we study this sin without being moved emotionally, spiritually, Lord, by the great love and power of our Lord Jesus Christ? And Father, we know that we can personally appropriate the scene of the resurrection because we are promised a resurrection as well. Those of us who come to faith in Christ are promised a resurrection just like that if we place our trust in Him. But thank you that we have the abundant life that Jesus promised. And that abundant life starts the moment we establish a relationship with Christ by His doing, not by our doing. And we thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with the ability to be able to talk about Christ and inviting people to come to Him. We have come and seen the empty tomb and the risen Christ through the pages of Scripture, Lord. Now we are instructed to go and tell. And I pray, Lord, that we will be faithful to that message. We don't want to be guilty of dereliction of duty. We want to be faithful to the message of going and telling. It's not the, the job of the pastor only to do that. We know, Father, from, from your word. We know that every believer is commissioned to going and telling. And I pray, Father, that you will give us a renewed sense of passion and commitment to fulfill that commission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is radio at gbcsalem.org. Or you can visit our website, truthwithgrace.org, for more information about our church and this media ministry. Plus, we're always looking for people just like you to help us spread the gospel around the world. This broadcast is provided to you at no cost to the generosity of financial and prayer supporters of Truth With Grace. Please feel free to share it, but please don't charge money for it or edit it in any way without the written consent of Grace Baptist Church. Until next time... This is Truth with Grace.